0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your MLB is picking up the pace of the CBA negotiations home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, the CBA negotiations, and more at Bleed Cubby Blue, and I am thrilled to be joined by a friend of the show who needs no introduction, co-host here and at the Sun Ranto podcast, Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny?
1: Oh, it's going fabulously because I am in 85 degree, uh, Mexico right now next to the Pacific ocean. I got up and I swam in a pool. Uh, the only danger that I faced, up on that, uh, up on that nice heated pool was that there were giant birds, seabirds that were swooping in and I'm not a big bird guy. I'm not really into nature. So like, uh, anyway, it, that's the only, uh, I'm happy is what I'm saying. I'll, I'll just say I am a happy person. I'm eating well, I'm drinking well, I'm partying, I'm, I'm swimming. I'm, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be better, Sarah.
0: Well, thanks I'm for asking. Of- I'm I'm kind of jealous of all of this and I that you're really kind of bringing me down because I'm not in Mexico and I'm not in a place that has a heated roof pool and I definitely don't I'm definitely not eating and drinking drinking it up and partying all day at the moment. Um so yeah, Danny, have a margarita well, come on for down. me. Have a margarita for me. Come,
1: uh we'll do or, or just come on down and I'll buy you one. <laughs>
0: Don't tempt me. You sleep I might on just the show couch. Up. I might just show up. <laughs> uh god, I wish I wish I was not super busy at the day job and with baseball writing, but we are super busy with baseball stuff because the CBA negotiations are ongoing and it appears they are going to start moving a bit faster, which we'll talk about in detail in just a minute. However, before we do that, let's recap the week that was. I had two pieces out on this this last week, mostly because I am fascinated with how the owners keep every time they make a tiny move in the direction of the players, they condition it on like 15 terrible things that pull the state of the negotiations backwards. And so it's like, they're like, yeah, yeah, we sort of inch towards you, but actually we're going to throw in this wrench the size of the Grand Canyon that you have to say no to. And so the first time this happened uh, since the last time we recorded Was with this like really obscure request that the players had for lowering the number of times a player can be optioned in the season. If you listen to the show, you know that Danny and I talked about that a little bit last week and why it matters for players when they get optioned, you know, three times versus 12 times or something like that. How it impacts their the money that they make that per diem is a lot bigger in MLB. They're getting a prorated salary, like prorated part of the MLB minimum, which is about five or six times higher than the salary that they were making for the minor stuff or for just being on the 40-man. And so, Danny, I want to start with the way MLB said, oh, yeah, we can limit these options. We can we can only make it so that guys get optioned five times. But to do that, we want this list of, like, a ton of absurd things. And one of them is we want the players to sign off on the contraction of the minors, which is, like, one, not even in the CBA. If you read my piece earlier this week, I kind of went on a long – meandering path about how I got to that, but they're just, I swear to God, the owners are just looking for cover with everything here. We'll get into it. Danny, what's your reaction?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm going to like rewind a bit and just say it all started with the lockout. And I think the moment that you lock out the players, in my opinion, from then on in, I think that the players might even have a case at the national labor relations board that these owners are not, Negotiating in good faith, ultimately. They are almost religiously greedy in how they want to divide up the money that is generated by Major League Baseball. They always want a lion's share. They even have gambling on the horizon that's not even baked into the cake that much. But uh, the Ricketts are right now and the Washington Nationals owners are also getting into the gambling scene. You have uh, streaming rights that, I mean, there's so many ways for the owners to make money. There's only a few ways for the players to make money. And, you know, that's uh, either playing baseball or like Anthony Rizzo selling Buena Beef. And so right now, You have you they're setting it up for the next foreseeable future, five years or whatever. The owners being religiously greedy will are just carving up the same pie that they are willing to spend in different ways that always will let them take the lion's share of the profits and to continue to grow their profits over the course of the entire contract. They can wait it out. They know that they know the players are, will eventually have to give in if they want to play Major League Baseball, and the billionaire owners they can wait it out. They can wait the whole year. They can wait two years. They don't care about the injuries. They don't care about anything except the money. And I don't wouldn't say that's all the owners, but is probably the lion's share. And it doesn't take, a, but for a few owners to sink the entire process with their religious greed, and so. You know, no matter all the, the the specifics, which all your articles that I've read, Sarah, like do a great job in giving us the specifics and how they want to carve that pie up differently, whether it be changing the way that minor leaguers are optioned or how many minor leaguers there are at all. You know, it's like they just keep dividing up the pie differently. And it's just frustrating because it doesn't seem to be moving the ball forward. It's just like moving the ball sideways in a way that still keeps the players and the owners very far apart. So from my estimation, uh, unless the play, unless the players give in, uh, you know, we're not going to see baseball and I kind of don't want to p- want the players to give in, even though I want to see baseball and I want to see it soon. But this losing spring training, that only hurts the owners. Um, well, and the players, as far as practicing goes, and you know, getting getting it revved up for the season and keeping to their rhythm, but the players aren't paid for spring training, and you know that in and of itself is a is just an insane thing that happens. It's like you know, if I was going to do a Broadway show and wasn't paid for the rehearsal process, you know, yeah, you know, we're going to use you for you know, and they do to go through that on Broadway too. You know, I know Spider Man, which uh had trouble opening on Broadway. Uh they stayed in previews and paid the bare minimum that they could, but they stayed in previews for nearly two years until the at, the cast that finally m- made a uh a, a uh grievance against the union and got uh got more pay. But at, anyway, it's less like you have to fight them tooth or nail for every dime because they are, as I said, religiously greedy. So I I'll stop there. I don't I don't know. It's just like it, I'm disheartened. I'm disheartened by the process
0: we know we know this about the others i think religiously greedy is a great term to describe this i may actually go back and edit it into the title of this week's episode because i think it's it's an important <laughs> frame for how we think about all of this but i want to talk a little bit about the machinations of this like minor league contraction thing because it is so ev- like it is so calculated it is so unbelievably backdooring something into the CBA that doesn't even belong there. So let, let's get into this just a tiny bit. And to be clear, the players are going to reject this condition. It's not going to happen. The players are not going to sign off on a future contraction of the minor league, but leagues, but after doing some digging, cause I actually got stuck on this. One of my, nerdier side hobbies is that I have my own copy of the CBA that I read through and highlight and like go through whatever their stories that are related to the CBA. Cause I don't trust other people to tell me accurately what is in it. Like I want to know it myself and I'm just kind of that person. Um, and so when the story broke, the thing that I got stuck on was the size of the minors is not in the CBA. The The CBA only covers players who are on the 40 man roster. Those players don't really have a lot of say and what happens in the minors? One of the things that people talk about all the time, if you care about labor issues in baseball, is that you know, unionize the minors. That the miners need a union too. That part of the reason they get uh, they get the short shrift with the MLB and with the owners all the time is because they don't have any representation looking out for their interests, and that includes the MLB Players Association. Most of the miners are not part of it. Only that very tiny sliver of players who are in the minor leagues and also on the forty man are represented by the MLB Players Association. And so I did some digging. I I DM'd a friend, Eugene Friedman, who we've mentioned him on this podcast before if you are not following him on Twitter. He is a labor attorney. He works with the National Air Traffic Controllers. He's also a baseball fan. And so he offers his insight on baseball labor negotiations on Twitter from time to time. And he is the one who actually crystallized for me what the owners are trying to do here. And I want to talk about it because I think it is it is so telling about how the owners think about every move five, 10 years down the road because the reason they want that codified in the CBA has less to do with wanting to give the players more say over something, right? Like the players currently don't have a say over the size of the minor leagues. MLB can contract the minors whenever they want. But if they codify it in the CBA, if they get that language in there, in the event they ever lose their antitrust exemption and in the event an owner like Steve Cohen perchance, ever decides that he wants to increase his competitive advantage by having a larger farm system than other teams and decides that that's a thing he wants to pursue, having that language in the CBA stops a future owner or a future lawsuit from trying to challenge something that would be outside the purview of MLB's realm if they ever lost the antitrust exemption. And I just, I cannot stress enough how bananas it is to condition a player's livelihood like a minor league player's livelihood on six years from now we might need protection if the antitrust exemption drops and we can't just dictate what the minor leagues do that is bananas and if that's the scope of these negotiations I would walk out after 30 minutes if I was the players too like who is going to agree to any of this (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, the sad thing, though, is that we're just trying to get some baseball played. And when you're talking about contracting the minor leagues, you're also talking about contracting baseball being played. It's just like there's towns all over the United States that they depend on this income and something to do in the... In, in the summertime and people enjoy it and it's a great way to get kids into the sport. And, you know, if you don't live near a major league city, I mean, you're talking just about ultimately less baseball so that you could have more money. And to me, like, that's not how it should be. If you, if you're an owner, you should love baseball and you should be wanting more baseball to be played. And, you know, it's a rounding error, the minimum salaries that they even pay these guys, you know, even spring training games, they're packing Sloan Park. They didn't pay for the stadium, or maybe I forget if they did or not, but I'm sure they got some sweetheart deal from the city. Oh, we'll build a new stadium, and we're going to put up Portillo's down here and we'll make you a ton of money. Um, and, you know, and now there's not games being played there. And it, they don't care. Like, they just <laughs> – I mean, they they want less baseball, and they even – how much money are they making on a spring training game that they've got two number 99s in that aren't even being paid. They're selling beer. They're selling berm seats for $50. You know, and these two number 99s that get into the game in the eighth inning that you don't even know who it is playing that they're just some kid out there sleeping on a couch riding their bike to the To the ballpark and just not being treated fairly, so like we're looking at such extremes, like Dickensian extremes of like, correct. (laughs) I mean, not an exaggeration, like literal
0: Dickensian. Like, please, sir, can I have another Dickensian?
1: No, we're like raising money, The adopt a minor leaguer. We are raising money for the Zinnmeister and a couple of other guys down there in spring training when the pandemic hit right away. And then a lot of those guys were stuck there and the teams did nothing. Like it is Dickensian. And so now that we're in this CBA, it's like, why would we expect any of these guys? And I do say guys because they almost all are to change they just they did they this is their operating procedure the worst possible kind of um, atlas shrugged and Randian and uh, opinion they could have on things is the way they're going to do it because they are the masters of the universe and they want to control everything and they do not care about baseball and that is the freaking tough thing about it because um, we love baseball that's all we want to see
0: yeah, I think that is well said. Let's just talk want to a, see
1: some baseball, guys. <laughs> I,
0: baseball would be great. I, I would like there to be baseball. In fact, speaking of when we could potentially see baseball, let's talk a little bit about the timeline, the new timeline that we have here. So it was it was sort of weird, sort of funny. Uh, in Rob Manfred's Saturday press conference that we talked about last episode, he sort of came out and was like I'm not going to talk about whether spring training will be delayed, which was weird because we all knew that spring training was definitely going to be delayed. By Thursday, we had gotten around to the point where MLB was actually willing to say, yes, okay, their spring training is not going to start on time. And I guess thank you for that rare bit of honesty. Um, the spring training has been pushed back to at least March 5th. Interestingly, from my perspective, the Players Union, or actually I should, I should... I should take a step back. There was an item that was tweeted by Ben Nicholson-Smith, who is at Sportsnet Canada, um, who noted that the players have said they will not agree to expanded playoffs in 2022 unless the regular season starts on time. And that news item dropped about two hours after it came out that the owners were suddenly willing to negotiate every single day next week. And so look, I haven't seen anyone like literally connect those two things, but I would like to humbly suggest that perhaps the expanded playoffs and the fact that the players still may not agree to them is one of the driving forces here that is bringing the owners to the table multiple times next week. Also, the lockout started on December second. Why haven't you been negotiating nonstop ever since then? Like, I still don't understand why it took this long to get to the point where you like are gonna sit in a room and actually talk every single day. <laughs>
1: well because they they always wanted to be like this you know they they locked out the players they could have just they could be playing right now under the old cba Correct. if they wanted to but Correct. they they uh, they locked the, they locked them out so they made that an impossible situation so it's been a negotiating tactic since the beginning because of the religious greed and uh You know, and yeah, of course, the spring training is going to be delayed. I don't even know how much time they're going to need to get going. I feel really bad for the pitchers because they usually get a two week head start, not to mention the guys that show up early all the time that are there two weeks early just to use the facilities, which they're locked out of as well. You know, so it's, you know, the idea that the spring training could start on time, even if they got a deal. To, uh, the, the season could start on time even if they got a deal on th- three days from now on Wednesday or something like that They're, you know even if they got that deal then you're looking at another three four days before everybody gets it together and shows up to spring training then you've got a bunch of free agents who are unsigned or where the hell did they go I mean does that even decide it like nobody knows like where's Carlos Correa gonna end up showing up who's camp you know, do they have their own camp? Who pays for that? What kind of facilities do they have? How about the injured guys? You know, what the what do the forty man roster guys do? They just show up to minor league camp in the middle of it, which is actually going on. Like it's it's all already zany and everybody's gonna be hopping too, and you gotta worry about the like the twenty twenty-two slew of injuries that we saw, especially to the pitchers. And then that screws up everything. So I don't uh, you know, the it's a big uh, cluster <laughs> F and you know, I'm not sure what the timeline is. Like that's what you ask is what's the timeline. I mean, who knows I, it, it, they're trying not to lose regular season games, but I also don't think that the owners care about a game on March 30th or April 1st. Cause like nobody goes to it anyway.
0: Well, I think some of the owners do, and I want to get into that in one second, but before I do, I want to go back to two things you were just talking about with the players and how there's a bunch of free agents out there. I think I saw uh, Someone say that there are uh, this can't be right. But I, I think I saw someone say that there are still 300 free agents who are waiting to know what team they will play for in the major league season. So that's the first part like it's not just the Carlos Correa's of the world. There are a lot of guys. Yeah. Andrelton Simmons doesn't have a contract that are going to get deals that have not gotten deals yet. And the mo- the longer this drags out, the closer they try to play chicken with the start of opening day and actually trying to get spring training to start on March 5th, because they feel like they need four weeks in order to ramp up training in order to keep the stave off those injuries. Danny was talking about before opening day, you could have a thing where like you have two days for teams to sign 300 players. That is going to be an absolutely chaotic Bananas situation, like that, is going to be ridiculous. But beyond that, let's let's table the conversation of the Carlos Correas of the world for a second. The forty man guys are in limbo in a way that I just truly hate. These are the players who already had some of their development stunted because they had a shortened twenty twenty season, and it wasn't the same to be in the off site hanging out in Iowa, like just playing sim games against themselves over and over again. I think I heard that in some of those sim games, like. And and look to their credit, but like some of the like workers at the fields were like playing left field at various points in time because they were they just (laughs) needed guys to like fill in. And so, you know, like Tony would just like show up and like Tony's the guy who like does used to do concessions, but there are no concessions anymore. So now Tony's the left fielder today. I mean, that is not the same type of developmental environment. I played, environment. It. I played yeah, put, in high school. <laughs> put me in coach. I'm ready to play literally. Uh, so they already had that experience. Now they are not working out with the rest of their minor league teammates and friends like James Triantos and Jordan Wicks are at spring training right now. They are working out in Mesa We have friends in Arizona who are tweeting out pictures of their early workouts. If you're a minor league player, who's not on the 40 man, this spring looks like every other spring to you. But if you're one of those top tier players, if you're a Brennan Davis type, who is close to the majors, you're not getting those workouts. You don't know when you're going to get those workouts. You are just stuck in limbo. And it is weird that the most talented players in the game are the ones who are going to take the biggest hit for this.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as I said, the owners don't care. And so they're just gonna they're gonna they're dug in you know they so they they're just gonna let this go on as long as they can until the players come to their side they they've just kind of proven to I mean it, they've proven that they don't really care about the development of the players look what happened in twenty twenty you know, they rushed through spring training at their home ballparks they had the offsite they canceled the minors they you know they 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 stunted their own growth back then like once again it's like one of those I they I don't they've already shown what they're what they do and they just keep doing it and so I just have to assume that they're not that interested in the development of these players like they're they are to a point but they're gonna make the same money either way they're just they're more interested in the big picture of of this uh contract but at at least the minor league guys are down there I've and uh it's and i've been thinking to myself like if this drags on any longer like maybe i'll just go be a chicago dogs fan and go hang out in rosemont and stuff and like watch that stuff uh watch those games instead um but yeah it's i mean they don't have the major league uh, see the, a lot of the inter- i don't think it is business as usual for the minors guys cuz a lot of those dudes would go back and forth into major league camp sometimes too and they would get some some, uh, experience working with the veterans, uh, at a higher level, like those number 99s that would get into the game at the end of the early spring training games, you know, then they're playing against big league pitching. You're seeing what you got. This kid looks like he's 14 years old out there with the bat against, against the a guy just trying to warm up and get some work. But you know, you're already too late for the pitcher.
0: The flip side of that, right, like I still think back to no, David Bodie wasn't high up on people's prospects lists. He showed up to spring training and absolutely raked and proved that he could play with the glove. And he got called up a few times and then never went back, right? Like David Bodie is a perfect example of a guy who took the spring training experience and parlayed it into a major league job, like a utility job, a bench job. But it's a major league job and it's a major league job that he has because he showed up at spring training and proved he could play. And who is not getting the chance to prove they can play right now? We literally don't know.
1: Yeah, because they're just not around and and they're not doing anything. There's no games to see. Uh, there's no th- none of the people that follow prospect lists. They're not watching any games they're not you know how the scouts all sit behind in home plate at spring training they're always back there and then you get the stories out about oh this guy looks really good and that's the first time I ever heard of Carl Edwards Jr. for example in the futures game and you know they may still have the futures game that's the first time I saw him pitch and that you know so there's all that stuff going on and and not to mention the fact that those stadiums being closed It hurts the communities that they're based in, hurts everybody that hurts Arizona, hurts Florida with that count on that income. A lot of retirees on fixed incomes that probably count on that money. So it's, you know, the whole thing is just sad to me. And it's just like, at some point they, at some point now that they've already canceled games, I think that the players are like, well, let's cancel more games. Like they're not getting, they don't get paid for those spring training games. So what do they care? um, when you start canceling regular season games, then you're, well, then you're into it, you know, then you're, that's the same as almost a strike in that. If you're totally at loggerheads, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really have an answer where I see this whole thing going and how it hurts us in the future. We already saw the injuries. Um, we already saw the lack of development. I mean, I don't know if it's related at all, but, you know, Braylon Marquez, you know, going down and he's seemingly back, but we don't know. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just tough to, to really see how this affects five years down the line, how to, how to project this. It sucks in the moment. It can't be good for the future. Like I can't see anything good that could come out of this except for like, well, there's less innings on his arm or something, but
0: no, um, there's nothing good that comes out of this. You know,
1: Miguel Amaya is another one, you know, ends up getting injured. Now he's going to lose another year. It's like, oh God, you know, so I know it, it's affecting the Cubs negatively at least. So but I don't want to be too pessimistic about it, but it doesn't look good.
0: <laughs> no, I'm pretty pessimistic. You know, I'm so, pe- we're so pessimistic that, we have already hit our halfway point. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we have a little bit more CBA negotiation conversation. I want to talk about the competitive balance tax, where those conversations are at, because did some research on that this week and frankly, like the conditions on that are out of control. We're also going to do a little bit of a deep dive into the Pakota numbers that came out this week. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, Pakota hates the Cubs, but you probably already knew that. But first, a quick break from our sponsors. All right, we're back. A little bit more on the CBA before we move forward. I want to talk about some some of these competitive balance tax issues that have been really well reported by a variety of places. But specifically, I want to shout out the work that Jay Jaffe did over at FanGraphs. He has an excellent piece out from last week, looking at specifically what types of conditions have been placed on the CBT and why it is basically hardening more and more into a salary cap and it is tre- already treated by the teams as a salary cap. So if you take something that is currently a soft cap and you make it harder, I think that we would all agree that that would just mean that it's really a cap, not a tax. Um, and I, and Danny, uh, the second person that I want to talk about their work who did a nice job here is Travis Sachik. Travis Satchik uh, made some really nice graphics showing how the CBT has not grown. Uh, it has not kept pace with the pace of inflation. It has not kept p- pace with the pace of the cost of living. It is not growing anymore. It actually has been pretty stagnant since about 2011 with two CBAs ago. Two CBAs ago, the players just allowed the owners to stop increasing the cap itself. And all of a sudden, we're in a place where it, what it should be, according to either Jaffe's math or Sawchick's math, depending on whose math you like the cbt top threshold if it had grown at the rate that it should have grown at should be around 293 or 300 million dollars <laughs> right now the owners are proposing at the moment 214 214 214 216 <laughs> why is it that everything in the universe grows uh, and costs go up except the top line number for mlb owners danny
1: I don't know. You, you could ask my boss the same question, to be honest. But um, the uh, but but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you pointed it out. Everybody should go read the article that Sarah wrote on Bleed Cubby Blue because it, it, it kind of amalgamizes all the things. The two writers that you talk about, plus bringing in your own uh, kind of uh, opinion about uh, about things, too, because, yeah, it's the also the uh, revenue has grown. And that's the other thing is they're making much more money. The the thing is the players slice of the money or a share of the profits is has gone down actually over the course of the, of the years and uh, base, as baseball competitiveness has gone down with the tanking teams. And so they're trying to address all that stuff based on the CBT, you, you know, I mean, it, that is part of it. It's like how much money you're gonna you're gonna spend. And what you laid out in the article, I thought was interesting, is that only eight teams have even. I think it was that's the right it's number. Eight, eight teams. Nah, it's
0: nine. Had... It was eight until 2019, and then the Padres sneaked in there in 2020. But it's nine.
1: Amazing, amazing. And then came a third. Uh, <laughs> so lot of a good it does. But,
0: yeah, continue. continue. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Part of the problem because the Rays are right there, um, spending nothing, but. Uh, but yeah, the, um, the fact that the players share of that money. Uh, no, let me, let me get back to the teams. The fact that the teams don't do it, they don't go over the luxury tax because it is a cap. And that, like just by definition, it's a cap because people aren't doing it. And they certainly don't do it like what three, four years in a row, unless you're the Dodgers or it, it, really even the Yankees don't do it anymore, you know, now that the son runs the team instead of the dad. Um, so it's, uh, only the Dodgers are doing it and they're run by what a, a, a investment group. And they, you know, they've got their brand and, and they they just blow through it just to get in the world series every year. I mean, shoot, I wish the Cubs, <laughs> I wish the Cubs yeah. acted the like the Dodgers and blew through the tax and didn't care because it's not my money, you know, and it's also not a tax either. It's just, right. you have to pay to balance things out with the other teams um, and and that's if they would spend the money. So let's say uh, ostensibly the pirates are going to get the money. Well, they don't spend it either. So like the way it, it's like it trickles down to these uh, smaller market teams who don't spend. But at the same time, they don't spend that money. They just hold on to it and for and, you know, enrich themselves. So. It's not working. Whatever's going on. So even if the tax was higher, even if they made it three hundred million dollars, where it would go with inflation, and if you considered the way that profit has grown in the MLB, even if that did happen, they still wouldn't spend the money. They would. They would collude then, just like they did before. They'd figure out some way to screw you, and because they don't want to, you know, they they want the money for themselves. They're going to use it to pay off loans for the real estate they buy around their ballparks. Or yeah. for the gambling uh, dens, they open up. They, they they need the money for that. Which which I don't know if that money has all that stuff that all that extra money that never ends up back in the pockets of the team or, um, they just it, you know it, it it's it's a prof it's pretty profitable business. I wish I owned a team. I'll tell you that much. <laughs>
0: yeah. If anybody wants to give uh, Danny and I a team, we are let's, here. Let's to go be here in on Red one.
1: <laughs> if we all pitched in a thousand bucks, we could buy a team. That's all I'm saying.
0: I, I don't think we could quite do that, but uh, I appreciate you dreaming big, Danny. <laughs> A couple of things here about the CBT that I want to chat through because I think they're important. So, Danny mentioned that only nine teams over the life of the agreement since 2003 have ever exceeded the cap. But I think, even more impressive, the thing that blew my mind there, if you consider that it's been 19 years since the CBT has existed in its current iteration. There have been 570 opportunities for teams to go over the cap. It's just like 30 times 19, 570 times they could have done that, right? If you look at the number of actual seasons where they have done that, the the number is 37, which means that only 6.5% of the time do teams ever even consider exceeding the cap. So it's even worse than the like nine teams have ever done it. It's like such a tiny, tiny fraction of the number of seasons that have existed, have exceeded the cap. And then the second thing here that I think is important that we should definitely chat a little bit about, you mentioned, well, if that number is so small, then raising the cap doesn't really matter because you raise the cap, nobody's going to go over that. I'm sorry, I should be calling it the CBT. It is not technically a cap. I should call it what it really is. You raise the CBT, nobody's going to spend three hundred billion. I would want to push back on that a tiny bit because here is the place where the Steve Cohens of the world and the, well, Tom Ricketts should be in the Steve Cohens of the world land, but he's not, so we won't put Tom Ricketts there. But the Steve Cohens of the world and the learners of the world could theoretically make a difference if they were allowed to, because I think Steve Cohen would approach the cap. I think the Red Sox would approach the cap. I think the Nationals might increase an offer to Juan Soto, who incidentally turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract extension offer from the Nationals this week, and or or was not this week because they can't talk, but it was broken this week that he turned it down. And frankly, that is correct because he's worth more money than $350 million over the next 13 years. But the learners might offer him that money if they felt like they could afford it. They are a team who has hit the cap before and has paid that penalty. And so if you raised it, you would raise the price of these premier free agents and you would force some of those teams that are not spending money to get in on at least one or two of these guys. Cause they're not just going to let all of the top tier players walk and go to Boston or New York or DC.
1: Yeah. Or Chicago, please put Chicago in. that. List I want because... to. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> It's been a while. I mean, Um, Chicago is a team
0: that has hit the CBT and paid the tax before. So I guess I should give the Ricketts credit for being able to hit the CBT.
1: Well, and and I know it's off the table, at least at this point, I think it is, because it was one of the early negotiating tactics that the owners put out was the idea of a floor in exchange for a lower cap. And (laughs) now the only thing I do like about that, scenario is that if you have to spend a minimum or you have even a soft floor and a soft ceiling, um, it then you ostensibly would have more evenly matched talent on your teams. And then you have more interesting division rivals and, and you have more interesting, you have more interesting competition because, you know, if you got two teams in your division, like uh, it, like in the West coast, you've got two teams that are getting their butts kicked like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks every day and then you got three powerhouses spending a ton of money and the well, the surprise giants i suppose uh, they were a surprise but um but you know Dodgers are up right way over the tax you as you just mentioned the Padres have been over and um so it, you know i would actually be for something like that you know i want i would rather Everybody kind of make the same, you know, and there'd be a little bit more of a a medium income that was higher. I think every single player that's in the major leagues deserves a million bucks. You know, I don't know if that's at the expense of the I don't know if that's at the expense of the players who make the most money. I don't think it has to be because we just talked about all the revenue growth. There's a lot of money to be made in these games. Whether the owners are putting it back into the teams is another story, and I think it's indiv- individual owner to individual owner. But they band together when and they they really uh, uh, they really um, I, I don't know. I guess they circle up and collude when 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 it when the chips are down, and only a few like you know we all know J- the. Jerry Reinsdorf, one of the oldest owners of the White Sox, you know how he operates. He sunk a lot of probably pretty decent proposals. He's responsible for the um, MLB blackout rules, which are draconian and archaic and um, but exists still to this day. Um, So I I don't know where I'm going with this. It just it all goes back to the same thing, which is um, religious greed, I believe (laughs) it just comes down to. (laughs)
0: Well, okay. Back so, to
1: religious greed.
0: So, back to religious greed for one second. I do want to talk about the penalties. We've that been are...
1: there the whole time. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have. I do want to talk about the penalties that are being proposed by both sides in the CBT negotiations, because I think it's important for people to understand. Like, I think what's been reported that's mostly been talked about have been the baseline numbers, right? Like, the owners want to start at 214, the players want to start at 245. The players obviously want to start much higher because of that lack of growth that happened in the previous two CBAs that I talked about before. But the penalties is where it's really at. And the reason the penalties don't get talked about a lot is because they're way more complicated to talk about. They take longer. Uh, Jay Jaffe has a great chart in that piece that I mentioned before that Fangraphs put out that you should definitely take a look at. But here are the current penalties in the competitive balance tax that hap- for the CBA from 2017 to 2021. A first-time offender would have had to pay a tax of 20%, 32%, or 62.5% over on the overage, they went over the CBT, depending on how much they went over. So if they went over by less than 20, you get that first number. If they go over 20 to 40, you get that second range. You go over four more than 40 million, you get that third range, right? That escalates. So that the second time you pay the tax, it's 30%, 42%, 75%. And the third time, it's 50%, 62%, 95%. And by the way, that cut like that over 40 has a draft pick attached to it, okay? And that's obviously like, that's where Mm -hmm. people are just never gonna go because they don't wanna lose draft picks. Here are the numbers that MLB is currently proposing in their most recent February 12th proposal. And honestly, this is stunning to me. So they keep the number flat. They're like at 214, 214, yada, yada. There's no growth in it. That initial tax, if if you go over the CBT at all, less than 20 million, you are paying a 50% tax on that and you're losing three oh, yeah. draft picks. Yeah. I what? <laughs> that is that is more draconian
1: well, than we a third know... time
0: offender <laughs> in the original one. And it's yeah, already we... a cap <laughs> that goes up by the way from fifty yeah, percent to seventy five percent to hundred percent with three draft picks. I mean, that is just a oh, joke. That's not. That's not even. Why don't you just call it a cap? Why are we even playing these semantic games and giving it a different name?
1: Yeah, I mean and we all know billionaires hate taxes and so they call it a tax and it's not really a tax. Cause where does the money even go? Um, so it, you know, it's not like it's, it's going to build some bridge somewhere. It's right. just going right back into the same people's pockets. So, uh, so, you know, it's just like cutting up the pie, giving it to each other, like whatever, it's a little club and we ain't in it. Um, right. so right. it's like that that's, I mean, yeah, they make it more draconian. That's what I'm saying. They're not arguing. They're not negotiating in good faith. Like, they're, it's not like they they said, okay, now there's 30 major, we're going to expand rosters to 30 people. We're going to give five more jobs on every roster. And so to help, you know, the bullpen arms or, you know, they, they didn't say that they're giving more jobs to people. Uh, in fact, they're like giving less jobs to minor leaguers, you know, in exchange for this, uh, to have a, a salary cap, even more draconian than last time. Like the fact that, the players are trying to move things forward and the owners are trying to dial them back. I mean, that's why I'm, that's why it feels hopeless. Like if the players dig in, we're not going to see baseball because the, I don't think the owners are going to give, I don't.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. It's just a matter of
1: how long people can hold out.
0: Let me ask you a question about that because I've been thinking about that too. And I sort of feel like, and there, these, there were some comments from some of the listener or some of the readers on BCB who I hope are listeners as well um, yesterday on, on my article. And I, I've been thinking a lot about this. They were saying, look, this is the time the players need to make a stand. And so if the players need to make a stand in the CBA and the result is that we don't get baseball until June, I am here for that. I am totally on team player solidarity with the players all day. I want them to get what they need to get and deserve in this CBA. And frankly, I think the only way that they can put pressure on the owners is when the owners start losing money. Like the reason that they're willing to speed up the pace of these negotiations now is because those teams who make a ton of money on spring training, looking at you Cubs, looking at you Red Sox, looking at you Yankees, they are about to start losing money. And even the teams that don't make a ton of that revenue, like maybe you're a smaller market team and you just don't, you can't sell $50 seats on the berm or whatever. You're going to start losing money. Eventually you're going to start losing money in April and may when there's not games on Cinco de Mayo for people to come buy ridiculously priced beer and watch gaze- baseball during a nice day in may. That is when the owners are going to start feeling the hit. And if that's what the players need to do in order to rectify some of these situations, do it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally on their side. Like it, it's, it's, I, I don't even – I mean, I do care if they if it happens to last even the whole year and you lose a whole year. That would be a really a disaster. But I would still be on their side, and I would never blame the uh, players for it because the owners locked out the players. Correct. They started with a lockout. And so, I mean, that to me is just like, all right, we don't care. You're locked out until you do what we say. And at that point, I'm just like, well – You keep coming back with these garbage proposals that with meetings that last 15 minutes long, you know, now you're going to be like, okay, let's do it every day because we canceled spring training games and now the owners are losing money. It's like they are especially teams like the Cubs that on the first day of spring training, there's uh, there's 10,000 people in that ballpark like people love it. You know, especially in Chicago, you know, where it's cold all the time. And then and then you get you get down there to Arizona and the Cubs draw well everywhere. Anyway, there's so many fans down there and you're just depriving fans of this. And I, I really just will beat the freaking drum as much as I can to never blame the players for this happening. In fact, like if you have the wherewithal, start hiring the players individual players to like come be, do appearances at your, at w- your job or something like that. If you need like a motivational speaker, like, you know, in the P in the uh, HR department or something, you know, hire freaking Ian hap to come or something, uh, you know, it, instead of somebody else. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what we do to support them except for on Twitter, on Facebook, Keep drumming that the owners are in the wrong here, that they did the lockout. I mean, we use our voice on this show, on my show, The Sunranto Show. I know that Crawley and Michael Cotton, they feel the same way. Most of the bloggers, except for like your John Heyman types who just walk around carrying buckets of water for the, for the billionaires, you know, just for access. You know, there's very few writers that care what the owners think, too. And hell, I never showed up at a baseball stadium to cheer an owner. And
0: nobody, ha- Nobody does
1: nobody does we're there to boo them
0: <laughs> yeah right like I'm actually thinking about this from the perspective of that when the more I look at the specifics in these negotiations and I try very hard when I'm writing when I'm reporting things when I'm researching things like I I try to let people know where I stand because I mean clearly I'm team players here like I I want the players to get a deal that works for them but that's not because I ask like I I'm always just like trying to side with the Wilson Contreras side. It's it's because I look at where the situation is at and I'm like, it is very clear that the MLBPA came out on the losing side of the last two negotiations and that they have a lot of ground to make up. And it is also clear that the owners are doing everything in their power to make sure none of that ground gets made up and that oh, yeah. the owners make up more ground. Right. And so I'd rather baseball equalize a bit so that the players start getting a bigger piece of that pie. And I just frankly don't think the owners need it. Uh, we will have a ton more time to talk about the CBA. It's not going anywhere. Like I said, the pace of That's negotiations. It. Are gonna pick up next week, and we will be back if there's any news that breaks that we need to share there. But I want to move on.
1: I was gonna say, hope, hopefully, we have an, an emergency podcast where, like, they That'd figure something out and, like, and the pace of negotiations uh, picks up to a point where we actually get a contract and spring training starts. That would be sick.
0: Yeah, come on, MLB, but... get it, get it, get it moving. Make Danny and I do an emergency podcast. It would like we're ready. We're we're ready for the emergency podcast. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I want to move I'm on. In our friends over at Baseball Prospectus released their Pacoda rankings this week. And as always, Pocota hates the Cubs. Uh, I know that it's a joke over there that, that everybody thinks Pocota hates their team. But really, in this particular instance, Pacoda does not like the Cubs as currently constituted. I'm just going to say, so looking at these projected standings, and for those of you who don't know how Pacoda works, it's uh, based off Baseball Prospectus' calculations. They have their own set of stats like DRC, DRC plus, some other type of stuff. And then they kind of piece them all together. They run some simulations of what would happen in a 162 game season. They come up with a range of outcomes and then they say, this is where we think things are most likely to be. Um, the Cubs are projected to finish fourth in the NL central with 71 wins, approximately 25 games behind the Milwaukee Brewers who Pakota projects to have 95 or 96 wins. I hate this. And also no lies detected. Like the brewers look like a much better team than the Cubs. And I'm sort of like, yeah, this, this, this sort of makes sense. Yeah.
1: You know, I've had the thought that maybe it's better. This season doesn't get played. For the, you know, <laughs> you know I'm just like, Let, Let's sit this one out. You know, Let everybody hire Frank Schwindel to come be a motivational speaker at your school. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, the, the uh, predictions that, and this isn't the only set of predictions that have come out in the recent right. weeks, um, the predictions are with incomplete information because you have all these free agents that remain unsigned. Like, I mean, the, the Cubs numbers could get relatively better if they, if the lockout were to end and they right away, you know, sign Chris Bryant for God's sakes, you know, I mean, or, or, or Correa or both of them, you know, cause they could Ricketts could afford it if he wanted to, um, so uh, you know these are incomplete predictions and and stats and simulations for all the teams because of of uh, all the what do you say 300 players who remain on side so uh, these numbers will change i imagine they're going to have some updated stats once Correct. yeah the movement comes but as a preliminary thing i mean i don't disagree i mean you you're looking at somewhat of a regression for your we already saw it with Patrick Wisdom, who struck out 83 million times at the end of last year, and though he was still swinging out of his shoes and hitting a dong every now and again, breaking the rookie record. But you have um, a 31 year old Frank window, which is who is, will now be 32. You have, oh, remember all those 31-year-old rookies we had? They're all 32 now, and they're they're not getting any younger. Uh, We don't really know what we have. Uh, Blue Friday happened. Everybody's gone. You get Stroman. That's not enough. We all know that. You get Wade Miley. Maybe the the top three pitching guys, but the back end is a big question mark. You have an incomplete team right now. I would imagine, I haven't looked into it, other teams are facing a similar situation um, unless you're kind of set for the next couple of years, which I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of teams like that too. Like maybe the Padres or something or, you know, kind of set. I don't know how they, how other teams are um, structured right now. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't read anything into these numbers is I guess what I'm saying, <laughs> because it's just like, yeah, the Cubs look like they suck on paper right now, but they might not suck eventually. And you know, let's, and there might not be a, a season. So I, I don't know what the, to say about these predictions.
0: The Cubs are such a weird team right now. You know, I was lucky enough, I got invited to hang out with the Chicago and Milwaukee Sabre Chapters yesterday for a virtual event. It was super cool. I loved being there. Uh, if y- any of y'all are listening, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. And when it- somebody asked me what I thought about the Cubs, like if the Cubs were going to be good or in contention in 2022, 2023, uh, 2024, <laughs> where that would be. And and the thing about the Cubs is currently constituted is that there's a way and it's not totally out of control to see this team coming together. If they were to sign a shortstop, once the free agent window opens again, that this team is not terrible, right? Like they've got Brennan Davis in the minors. He could be ready sooner rather than later. He absolutely would be a huge boost to that outfield. He's a better defender than a lot of than some of the guys who are out there. And he's, the bat just plays right. Like the bat is amazing. If Clint Frazier is Clint Frazier, the guy that everybody thought was going to be like a top tier major leaguer who could really like a top tier prospect type guy. If he brings that back, if Ian Happ is like MVP Ian Happ and not the Ian Happ who is one of the worst players in baseball, if Wilson Contreras channels the MVP season that I've always known that he had in him, if Frank Schwindel is real, but you notice, I got a lot of ifs there. Like there are, ifs, and yeah. all of those ifs require that like five or six guys who should have career seasons in them have them at precisely the same time. And that the Cubs go out and sign a real shortstop. And I just, I don't know. Like I kind of look at this Pocota number and I'm like, yeah, 71 wins seems about right. Like what the team is currently constituted.
1: Yeah, no, I ain't mad at it because it's, it's all got to go right. And also you, you, I'm sorry, but you do need some ringers. Yeah. Like, you know, the the 20, the 2016 Cubs, we're not a bunch of like thrown together, you know, grizzled veterans Correct. who had one last good team in them, you know, one get last good season in them. You know, that's not who they were. They were a well put together, well oiled machine that ended up winning the crap load of games. Now can a Chicago Cubs team win 85 sneak in, especially with an expanded playoff situation, which we didn't even get into, but I hate, oh, but cause now, You're encouraging 500 teams. Oh, we can just be 500 sneak into the playoffs. Maybe we get hot at the end, make a trade deadline move, you know, that kind of thing. And you, and uh, you can uh, at least um, continue your team relevancy, uh, playoff relevancy uh, in, in a much easier fashion that way. But No, you need some ringers on your team. You need some actual talent or some real deal prospects, which, I mean, frankly, Brendan Davis is not the most exciting prospect in the major leagues. I know that might be sacrilege to say (laughs) around these parts, but I think everybody's got him at number 50. Now, a guy like that could totally overperform what these with the people who look at this kind of thing say about them. But you know, these are smart people that are also saying this about them. So, like, they hit and miss all the time. Like, like you said, nobody saw David Bodie coming. But then again, David Bodie's not that good. So at this <laughs> point, he, he had he had a grand slam in him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's had some moments, but at the same time, His love is good. He's been.
0: Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh,
1: there's a lot to. Yeah, th- th- we could do better. We could do better in all these positions. Like, getting Anthony Rizzo back at first base is a is a. Uh, upgrade from Frank Schwindel's glove. And I'm not saying Frank Schwindel's bad, but he's like also not, you know, he's not freaking, I I think I texted you the other day. He's not the freaking natural. He's not Roy Hobbs, you know, like he's not going to go up there with some wonder bat that he got from a freaking lightning strike from a team and all of a sudden like, He's just a, this old amazing guy, you know. It's like
0: no, the the Cubs you know. had the natural. His name was Aloy Jimenez, and now he plays for the White Sox because we traded him for Jose Quintano, which still breaks my heart a little bit every time yeah. I see Aloy play. But we can talk about that another day i guess my yeah. danny it's one thing that you mentioned about these projections i mean you're right they do move they'll move as different free agents are signed they will move as things happen in the regular season pakoda like fan graphs uh does the thing where they upgrade stuff as games happen so you're getting real-time information into those projections which is super cool and very fun but i mean Look, I think people should set your expectations to this team will be more watchable than they were immediately after Blue Friday when they looked like maybe the worst collection of players ever assembled on a baseball diamond for that time period where I don't even remember how long the losing streak got. It was just so bad that I was like, I can't, I don't know what I'm watching. They'll be better than that but don't expect them to be in the playoff hunt necessarily. All
1: our veterans had the same losing streak right before the the trade deadline so too. Bad. Remember?
0: Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. They had losing streaks, historic losing streaks all year. Once biblical losing streaks, biblical losing streaks, biblical losses <laughs> to go with the beginning of the year with, you know, I mean, forget people forget that, Chris Bryant and, and Arietta were out there losing just as many baseball games as, you know, Frank Schwindel and Justin Steele. There was
0: a lot of losing going on. And frankly, they made Jed Hoyer's decision at the trade deadline much easier Easy, yeah. than it would have been otherwise. And it's always going to break my heart a little bit. Um, at least we have that moment where Javier Baez walked off Amir Garrett. That's the last moment of jo- like true joy I saw <laughs> with the 2016 core. And I will treasure it always.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say a lot a lot can change. A lot can move very quickly, but it's all going to kind of they got to they got to end the lockout. <laughs> and then we can get somewhere. And they got to come up with a contract, and then these eight free agents can start moving and then we can get into the predictions and that's just the thing. It's like it's all rolling downhill right now. Every game that's canceled is another step backwards as far as you know what we're all doing and watching baseball because Lord knows that we would, I mean, we honestly, Sarah, we're going to have to turn this into a Chicago dogs podcast. (laughs) If they can't figure it out, we need a plan B. I'm serious. I'm serious. I believe they start at the beginning of May and April. We're just going to have to pivot.
0: Well, Dan- Danny and I will figure figure out some way to bring you some baseball content, whether it is the Chicago Dogs temporary Cup of Cubby Blue podcast, whether we're watching the players play in the minor leagues who are not on the 40 man, we, w- we will figure something out uh, to make sure you get some baseball context. But that is a question for later. Next week is going to be rapid fire negotiations with MLB and the MLBPA. If anything of news and substance breaks, you know, Danny and I will be back with an emergency podcast to get you covered. In the meantime, Danny, where can people follow you to hear your thoughts about baseball and the CBA negotiations on social media?
1: Well, on, on Wednesday night, the Sun Ranto show goes live at 7 p.m. Central Time on all our social media channels at uh, Sunranto.com. Sunranto on um, Sunranto show on YouTube or Danny Rocket on YouTube or Facebook, the Sun Ranto Ranchers. So you can uh, come and join it. That's a live show where you can comment on stuff we're talking about and, you know, kind of bring you into the conversation too. So just follow me and you'll see all the stuff that we're doing. But what, join us Wednesdays at seven that'd be fun. And then, uh, we go, we have a a conversation afterwards too, on this color cast app. Like, yeah, we, we just keep going. You know, we just keep talking about this stuff, even when there's nothing to talk about. So come join us and, and, uh, I don't know, lose your mind with us.
0: Yeah. The Sun Ranto show is a great time. If you have not ever hung out with the Sun Ranto show, I have, and it's awesome and I highly recommend it, uh, in the we have
1: to have you back on.
0: Oh, hey, yeah, happy to do it whenever. Let's, let's talk about the CBA and the fact that the owners keep making asinine proposals. I get I get all fired up and I can rant with the best of them. Uh, but when I'm not ranting on the Sun Ranto show, you can find me ranting on Twitter at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find any content for this podcast, including episodes, on Twitter at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. And we will be back next week or hopefully sooner with an emergency podcast telling you the season is starting. Uh, sometime in the interim. Until then, have a good one. Bye.